This is the Mile High Five podcast with Carl Jensen and Doug Cunnington. We have authentic conversations about the journey to Phi, health, happiness, and some very odd tangents. We interview Phi experts, side hustlers, people on their way to Phi, and those who have reached the other side. Join us every week, and if you want the show notes and links and all that other stuff, head over to milehighfi.com. Hello, world. Welcome to the Mile High Fi podcast. I am Carl Jensen. And I'm Doug Cunnington. Doug, how's it going? Doing pretty good. It's been uh, a couple weeks since we recorded, and it feels like I haven't talked to you in a while, but I think I did, like last weekend, right? Was it last weekend? What was last weekend? Okay. Yeah, I don't know. You're in the same boat as me. Uh, maybe it was the week before, but yeah, we are doing part three of this, um, basically why frugality is uh, kind of a maybe a bad thing, or at least a bad habit to have when you're trying to spend money. It makes it far more difficult. And this ended up being like a really cool series. And we got a lot of feedback from uh, people over on Buy Me a Coffee, the supporters of the show. So we're going to do part three today and, and keep tackling it. But before we get into that, what's new? What have you been up to? We finished our project house and it is rented out, which is pretty cool. That thing is completely off our plate or is off our plate as a rental house can be. You're always going to get calls. There's always going to be issues. We've already had ants in the house, unfortunately. Uh, and we also bought a new car for the first time in 13 years, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I didn't know you were getting it and you drove over here that first day that you picked it up or very new and it's pretty cool. Do you want to talk about it a little bit? Yeah, it is a Lamborghini, Lamborghini Murcielago. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just kidding. It is a Chevy Bolt, which is an electric vehicle. The story behind that is I told my kid, kind of half joking, that if she got a really good score on her SAT, that I would buy her this thing. And uh, I know she doesn't listen to the podcast, but and she does pretty well in school, but she's not always a super good test taker. So it was... Uh, Actually, I'll back up a second. My, What I told her was, if you get a perfect score, I'll buy you any Tesla you want. If you're in the top 1%, I'll buy you a Tesla. And if you're in the top 10%, we'll get some kind of EV, probably a used one. She's obsessed with electric vehicles. And then she did, so I stuck to my promise, and now we have a Chevy Bolt. That's pretty cool. Would you, if she did score perfect, what would you have, I mean got her whatever Tesla she wanted? Yeah, I would have. And I thought about it. The way I look at that, if she gets a perfect score, I'm going to have to um, outlay a bunch of money. She's pretty frugal. She wouldn't have asked for the Tesla Model S Plaid, which is like 100000 I probably would have been on the hook for a Model 3, like 40 or 50. But the way I look at it is, if she actually got a perfect score, she would probably go to college for free. So the buying the Tesla would far, it's a fair compromise for a free college. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's a cool car, and you've had it for a little while now, so does it feel pretty good? you like it? Yeah, it's great. We actually did a test drive this weekend. We took it up to the mountains, which is cold and going uphill with a heat on, which is bad for EVs, especially that one, since it has resistance heat and not a heat pump. And uh, there was a slight bit of anxiety going up the mountains because you lose your range really fast. Yeah. But it all worked out. It turns out there's a charging station right next to Outer Range, which is a great brewery up in the mountains. So we threw it on, Electrify America, had a beer, and 40 minutes later, jumped back in and it was good to go. 
Gotcha. So just like 40 minutes, does that charge it all the way or just enough to get you where you got to go? Uh, that went from about 50 miles of range to a little bit over 200. So okay. it doesn't charge quite as fast as a Tesla or some of EVs with more modern battery architecture, but still not bad. We're not there for hours like some people think you have to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Nice. How about you, Doug? What is new with you? So for the people watching on YouTube, I, I got a new guitar here. And you might be thinking, Doug, you keep buying new guitars, but this one I traded for. So I had a pretty um, pretty cool vintage 1939 Recording King guitar, and it was great. I had it for about a year and a half. However, it didn't fit my hand quite right. I have somewhat small hands, like a, like a baby, right? It's like baby hands, right? Pretty small. And on those old guitars, they didn't use um, what they call a truss rod. There's a metal rod that goes through the neck that helps it stay straight and you could make adjustments and such. In the 30s, they were using metal for other stuff like building uh, tanks or planes or whatever. So they didn't use metal. They conserved it. And as a result, it has a huge neck. It's very thick. And if you looked at it, it, like visually, it's just bigger and it's wider as well because they didn't have metal in there. So anyway, my hand didn't fit that guitar all that well. And I peruse Craigslist occasionally and I happen to see this national, it is a polychrome tricone from 1997. So it's a resonator guitar. We were chatting about that before. So it's uh, what the blues musicians in the 30s would use. So I won't go too deep into this, but I play slide guitar and I've been getting more into it. So the other guitar that I recently got about a year ago, it's another national and it's a really cool brand. They have specific look and the sound and it's pretty fun. So we met in a in a park actually near Avery Brewing, played some guitar on a bench. We checked out each other's um, guitars and then we we're like, yeah, let's trade. This, this is a good deal. So we just traded straight up. Yeah, that's awesome. It's a beautiful machine. I didn't know they actually made guitars out of metal until today. Yeah, and the whole yeah the whole body's metal. The only you know the the neck is wood, but um, yeah, it sounds super cool. And yeah, I need to. I want to. I want to just play more and more. So, would you ever do an open mic night? I know we had one planned a while ago, and then I don't remember what went south, but we ended up not doing it. Yeah. Would you ever do an open mic night? Potentially. My my wife was like, oh, you can't get a new guitar unless you do an open mic, which I was like, if that's the cost for me, I'm like, yeah, I would do it. But part of it is, you know, it's a hobby. I don't have to like be good because I'm just playing for myself typically. And when you start like making goals and then trying to reach it and I'm like, I got to learn this song for the open mic and have deadlines. It kind of makes it a job, kind of makes it not fun anymore. That's not to say I wouldn't do an open mic, but it's kind of like if someone likes to run, I think I heard Ryan Holiday make this point on a podcast. He likes to run, so he'll go out and run whatever, five or six, 10 miles or something. And someone might ask, are you training for something? And he's like, no, I'm not. I'm, I just like to run and I just like to play guitar. So I don't necessarily need to do an open mic to like validate what I'm doing. That said, I'm not completely against it. I'm just like, ah, I'm just having some fun. I don't feel like I need to play. Would you come and see me? 
Yeah, and I have an offer for you. No, <laughs> no pressure, but we yeah. have that concert on August 26th with the band I paid for. You could do a, oh, yeah. a short opening set. Yeah, and if I do the food for it, that would be funny. It's like, uh, yeah, it's the chef slash opening act. No expectation. I hope the barbecue is really good, you know. Chef, opening act, <laughs> you could be the, the drink boy. I, I don't know what else. Yeah. I could play, uh, you know, I learned Silent Night for the recital that you and I performed in, you know. So I could play Silent Night in the middle of the summer, Christmas in August. Okay. Ready to get into it? Let's do it. Okay. So if you didn't listen to the other two episodes, that's okay. I think these topics are going to stand alone, but we're kind of picking up here in part three. But you can check out the other two episodes and it'll sort of flow together. And right now we're going to talk about tips for embracing spending in retirement. So like I said, I think frugality, if you really, if you're a little too frugal, it's hard to shift gears. So one question that we're going to get right into is how often should retirees review and adjust their budget to accommodate changing circumstances or desires. So a lot of us are probably using the 4% rule to figure out, you know, how how much we need to save how, and accumulate. And then it also has a big role in how much we're potentially going to be able to spend. So in your view, how often should retirees revisit and look at how, how much they're spending? Man, this is a hard question, Doug. I'm curious to hear what your answer to this is. But my initial thought is, depends on the person. If you have a lot of anxiety around your budget, maybe you want to check it more. And I I also think due to sequence of returns risk, which is where your portfolio might take a drop early and that affects what happens later. So therefore, it's more important to the, I'll back up a second, the how your portfolio behaves early on in retirement is very important. And then it becomes, it should become more meaningless because most people are conservative and your money will probably grow to uh, amount that you can never spend. At least that's how I see it work out for a lot of people. So I think it's a factor of you and how much anxiety money gives you. And I also think it's a factor of how early you are in your retirement. I would hope that everyone gets to a point where they feel like they never have to check it. For you, so you you and Mindy have not been drawing down, right? No. Okay. So hypothetically, let's say we'll, we'll make it like five years from now. So in five years, you guys are starting to draw down a little bit. How often would you predict that you, you personally would want to look at how much you're spending and your pile of cash? Yeah, I was thinking about what I would do right now, we've been spending a lot because we are fixing up houses, but then we'll be in a completely different place. I would think um, every month. Okay. And I suspect it's probably like a cash flow basis, right? Like you'll have a look at what's coming in. You're like, oh, we're in pretty good shape because you, you would have like rental income coming in. Yeah. I would probably just look at our overall number, see what our net worth is. We're going to have to draw down money, sell stuff. Probably as well, unless we can completely live off the dividends, which we wouldn't be able to do until we can access our 401ks. So yeah, it's a, it's a complicated question, Doug. Mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah, I'm thinking probably every month, but I enjoy looking at the money. It gives me pleasure. I don't think that's the right answer. I think we oversaved and we never have to look at it unless the world gets really crazy. And if that happens, there's something worse to worry about. So it's part of a, it gives you pleasure, which there, there has to be a better way for you to say that. It's like, oh, so what, oh, what do you, what do you do with it? Sounds kind of dirty. <laughs> yeah. You were like rub. You print it out and rub it on your body somehow. Yeah, it'd be like a Scrooge McDuck, maybe a lesser situation <laughs> where instead of a pool filled with hundreds, I'm in a like bathtub filled with hundreds. Okay. Yeah, that's doable. That is doable. Okay, so clean those hundreds. I hear they're quite dirty. But the um, when you first said monthly, I was like, oh, that tells me that you do have anxiety about money because that seems really frequent. That's basically how often you would look if you were, if, if everything was normal and you were not retired, you would look once a month, something like that. Actually, the funny thing is I don't really have anxiety anymore. And that's a pretty recent phenomenon. I just like to uh, look at it and see what the money's doing, see what the stocks are doing. But I also think it's uh, not a great thing because you could be doing other shit. Why are you looking at this stupid dashboard, seeing how your stocks have done there's more enjoyable things in life so yeah. do as i say don't do as i do <laughs> and i was just thinking it could be cool if you just had like one monitor that always displayed the dashboard so you walk into your office or maybe your bathroom or wherever you <laughs> you like to look at that stuff and then you just have the dashboard you you walk by you're like oh cool we're up you know, so every time you go by, that's pretty doable with how cheap like monitors are these days. I guess so, but that would encourage this behavior for myself. And I think I need to try to discourage <laughs> the behavior. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Well, for me, is there anything else uh, with yours? I don't think so. I, I think a good exercise would be to, uh, for me to go on the Appalachian Trail or something, just not look <laughs> at a screen for like two or three months. Uh, that would seem to be very difficult, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, how about you, Doug? I think, so for me, I would, I'll pose the same hypothetical in myself. And I would say early on, maybe the first year or so, maybe quarterly. So not not that much, um, pretty close to what you said, right? So quarterly to have a look to make sure, you know, things are on target. And then I think after the first year or two, I would be a lot more comfortable and then it would just be like annually unless there's some weird event, if the market's really down, if inflation hits, um, that, that would make me revisit it. But I think the other piece is I most likely when I stop working, I intend to do more shit and spend more money. So it, it's completely different than what people would normally do where they're like, okay, the first couple of years, we're going to be conservative. The fact is I'll, I'll be like, oh, this is spring break. I want to go do stuff. So I'm planning ahead. It'll be great if the market happens to be up those years, right? Because then it's a little easier to spend a little bit more. But the intent is to actually like do more stuff in those years. We'll be the youngest we're ever going to be while we're retired. And that makes sense to me, even though it would it potentially takes more planning maybe you have to accumulate longer that kind of stuff so any thoughts on that i have a more general thought i think one of the 
the whole point of having a lot of money and saving and doing all this is so you don't have to think about money. Like the, the joy of having money is it frees you from ever having to waste any thought on this. And I think that should be yeah, our main goal to get to a point where we can, withdrawals are a whole other thing, how often we're going to do that. But aside from doing that, maybe we don't think about money at all. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm pretty casual and I don't, worry about it too much and I probably would look like once a year and I think you're 100% right with the not worrying about money but I also know just like you I enjoy to like making money especially if it's like from scratch or you're like restoring and renovating homes so you're like adding value like it feels good to do that kind of stuff like I think our upbringings make us feel good about producing something so I've been doing a little bit of like freelance uh, photography and videography and I could see myself like doing stuff similar to you, Carl, where you're like, ah, this is a good opportunity to like renovate this house. So I could see myself like, oh, I could pick up a gig doing this or that when I don't really need to and really just like spending my energy doing something that is not as good as other shit that I could do. Sure. Yeah. I have one more thought to throw past you. I was waiting for an important email a couple months ago and I kept on checking my Gmail. I'm like, this is a waste of time. So what I did was I set up a trigger on there so I would just get an alert when that email came in and then that freed me from having to think about this at all. What if instead of forcing yourself to look at money on a regular basis, if there was a service and you could probably do this to just send you alert, hey, if my portfolio is down from its all-time high by 10% or maybe even up if you care about that, send me an alert so I can know to maybe I need to pay a little bit more attention to what's going on. That's that's a great idea. Yeah. I think, and that's pretty simple to do also, I, I would suspect. Yeah, I'm sure maybe. we could write a script in two seconds. Yeah. That's a cool idea. Yeah. And then it would tell you if you need to worry about something. Although I was going to say, I know I won't mention the person specifically, and it's not you, Carl, by the way, but I know like because we have so much data and it's so easy to like check that shit on your phone, like most people are not going to be able to like chill. If if they have the tendency to want to know, they're going to go check it. They're not going to wait for the alert, um, even if they know they don't have to worry about it or it'll take them like three years to let go. I think it'll be pretty tough. Yeah. So, okay. Next what strategies can retirees use to ensure they stick to a budget without feeling overly restricted? And just to remind us, um, do you guys do a budget? We do not. Okay. We are starting to do a budget. Um, it's more like previously we mostly did more like expense tracking, but we're trying to stick to a budget a little bit more, at least looking at the, the numbers before we start spending money. Okay. How long have you been doing this, Doug? This is slightly, I, I don't like budgets at all. And we could talk about that, but what was your trigger for starting the budget? Elizabeth really wanted to do a budget. Okay. So you have an allocation. We're going to spend this much on beer every month and this much on food and this much eating out. Yes. Yeah. So before, and the thing is like, I'm not even doing it right. Cause technically, right. You, you tell me if I'm wrong. Tech, this is so basic. I'm, I'm like such a, such an idiot about it, but here's what I, I would do. Right. And I don't do this. Here's what I should do. 
before I go to Sam's Club or Safeway or the grocery store, I should look to see how much we've spent so far and how much we have left to spend. And then I, I know, well, I should only spend $50 at the store today. That's what I should do, right? Yeah. So I don't do that. I just buy whatever the fuck I want, right? And if I see a good deal and I'm like, oh, I could get a lot of meat uh, for a good price and then freeze it, I'm like, that's cool. I'll do that. So it's kind of a smoke and mirror situation for me. But but yeah, we do a budget. So you're you're basically telling me you cheat on your budget. Yeah. It's like um I just do whatever I want, which I think that was that was the issue. But that's why Elizabeth wanted to have the budget. Uh-huh. Because I'll I'll just like buy what I want to buy. Okay. So yeah. Do you have any tips? I'm just curious, is this going to be a tool for her to try to rein in your behavior or point out perhaps behaviors that she's unhappy with or what's the, what action, what do you want to get out of this, I guess? It, luckily it's not those things because those have a negative connotation, I think. It's definitely, it's, it's to make her feel more comfortable about how much money we have saved as we're approaching like retirement or, or FI or what level of FI that we're at. So because our, you know, expenses shift depending on what's going on, like you mentioned, you guys are renovating stuff. You have to furnish things. There's always unexpected things. So by tracking our expenses a little bit more closely and trying to work within a budget, it should make her feel more comfortable about are ongoing expenses and estimating expenses in the future. Okay. So that's the idea. Oh, I think that's a great reason to do it then. If it gives her comfort, that's awesome. We actually did the same exercise, although ours was more of not a budget, but more of keeping track of the spending. But it sounds like that's kind of your goal because I, I guess when you go over your budget, my next question is, do you track that as well? Or are you tracking your spending or when you blow the budget? We, yeah, we track the... We track it afterwards and we can see like, hey, we were, we were within. If we weren't, why? Like one thing is I got a, I'm getting a shiny new tooth coming up. So if, if people are new, I had a, a fall, an accident. I passed out and I damaged a couple teeth. So I'm, I'm getting a crown and it's a temporary right here. So Carl, you can see it's, it's not nice. bad, right? No. And they've actually had to send back the the permanent one a couple times because apparently my teeth are pretty white. So they ha- kept having to send it back. But that's an unexpected thing that we're having to spend money on, which we'll do a whole episode on how much this accident cost me. Um, but luckily we have money to pay for it and it's fine. But, you know, uh, this tooth work that's happening, it's like 1600 bucks, you know, it's a little extra we weren't planning on. That's a guitar. You know, I yeah. could buy a guitar with that. Yeah, guitar teeth. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's a difficult uh, question. Yeah. So we're, the other thing is, um, you know, we're tracking the expenses, but my income fluctuates depending on how much work I do or if sales go well or whatever. There's a lot of external variables. So sometimes I earn less than I expect. Sometimes I earn more. Yeah. And I only know afterwards. It's kind of hard to predict. Do you have any crazy like uh, line items in your budget or some kind of slush category where if you saw your dream guitar, you could go out and buy it or how do you deal with stuff like that? We, 
we have something called the the fun fund which actually next episode we're going to have feedback from readers and this is an idea from well many people but mark from mark's money mind told me about it and he actually expands on it a little bit so yes there's a monthly budget for you know extra spending whatever we want we don't have to pay attention and i won't spoil the you know the information that mark shared but you know quick example like i got some tattoos this year so that went into the fun fund for me we each have one and turns out the tattoo it costs more than was in my fun fund so i don't know if i'm in the negative or how that works exactly again it's kind of smoke and mirrors fun fun doesn't sound like fun <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah do you guys have like a slush fund thing uh no, we actually don't do any of that anymore. I guess we used to keep track of our spending, but we stopped that. And yeah, I, I guess my thoughts on budgets are spending that, again, you should reach a point at some time where you don't have to care about any of this. You just spend money on stuff that really makes you happy and you save on what you don't give a shit about. Yeah. And I think... I don't know if it fits in here, but just talking about it makes me think we need more time, right? Usually, like, the money is not the big factor. Sure, we couldn't go buy a, you know, a 58 Sunburst Les Paul. We've been talking guitars all morning long. So, the um, those costs like $400,000 or something like that. There's not many of them out there. But generally, if we want to get something, like, you and I, we probably can, like, make it work. If, if we see something cool or we're like, there's a really cool opportunity to take a trip to do something, we can do it. But a lot of times it's just, we don't have enough time to go do it. So any thoughts on that? We don't enough time. Well, I think it's worth spending money on things that save you time. The thing that I was stupidly resistant to for so long was the pre-check, which is great. I think it's worth like <laughs> five or 10 X what it actually costs, like 75 yeah. bucks and this was it. And other things, I'm trying to think of examples of convenience. Well, I guess I'll go back to the car thing. We talked about how I bought the kid a car in the opening. That's going to save us so much time. And we don't have to go back and forth to school. And she can drive her own self to all her activities and all that. So, um, yeah, I think uh, that's probably one of our main uses of, well, not main use of money, but one of the most valuable unexpected uses of money. And I think it that definitely skews in that direction as you grow older, right? You realize your time's more valuable and less of it, your body starts to get decrepit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think the original question here was how can people stick to a budget without feeling overly restricted? And I see we've ventured into the same territory we usually do where we're like, man, we could do whatever we want <laughs> and totally miss. So how can people actually stick to a budget? Let's say they're in the lean fire situation and they actually, you know, need to watch what they're spending. They can't go on the, you know, huge, massive trips. Turns out that's what they want. They, they want to be a little bit more frugal. So do you have any tips on like sticking to a budget without feeling like I made a huge mistake? I shouldn't have retired early. Everything sucks now. 
Yeah, I think if something is that important to them where they think everything is going to suck if they don't spend it, I think the answer is to stay at work or find some way to, to earn money. You don't want to feel having a scarcity mindset, I don't think is healthy. I've had that for a long time and it doesn't feel great. So I think you should arrange your money in such a way so that you don't have the mindset. And I'm not saying don't have a budget or don't track your spending, but if it gives you anxiety, you're doing something wrong. So I think the advice that I should give myself on it um, is if you are using a budget and you have like a fixed amount that you're planning on spending that you should spend or it messes up your whole spreadsheet and you're planning for the future, then before you go to the store or before you take a vacation, like know how much you can spend and then stick with that. It means maybe if you're on vacation, you have to plan out your meals a little more carefully. For example, maybe you go to the grocery store, you make some stuff um, at the hotel room if you need to, or maybe you plan to eat at specific restaurants that you know are not too expensive, but still meet the criteria of enjoyment and whatever you want to eat and all that kind of stuff. But look how much money you have in your budget before you go and spend it. So don't do what I do where I just, I have the budget and then I'm like, fingers crossed. <laughs> fingers crossed it's going to work out you know so because that i mean if you don't look if you don't track it you know you're not going to stay within your metrics so yeah okay next is prioritizing prioritizing experiences health and quality of life so why is it important for retirees to prioritize experiences health and quality of life when they allocate their spending so maybe before we say why it's important, which hopefully it's mostly obvious. What are some areas that you personally, you know, prioritize in these categories, Carl? So we got experiences, health, quality of life. Yeah, health is by far the number one and that aligns with food. You have to buy good food and learn how to cook or somehow get good food in your body. And that's directly related to quality of life. If you don't have good health, you're not going to have quality of life and I'd back up a second, and this question is framed in the context of retirees, but this should be important in all parts of life, not just when you retire. How, how about you, Doug? What do you prioritize? Yeah, health especially. Um, you know, I mentioned food in the grocery store, and that is one of the reasons why Like, I don't, I, I buy what I think we need, and usually it's not very much processed food, and, you know, produce and meat. And the other stuff is a little more expensive than just junk food. Asparagus. Yeah. Lots of asparagus. Lots of asparagus, which we just got an email. For, I forget the guy's name. Is it, was it Tom? Oh, about the asparagus festival. Yeah. So the asparagus festival is going on uh, like very soon, I think in Northern California. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. We'll have to make it there sometime. Maybe we could have an honorary like appearance on the asparagus court. I don't know if they do that. We could be like the jester or something. Or... Yeah. Maybe we can... Uh, yeah, we could maybe record a, a live show there. We could, we'll, we would probably have to sponsor it. We're like a, a small sponsor. We'll have like our name on the website and stuff. That would be fun to do a live show. I think we'd get lots of confused looks from the audience. Maybe we could do it from like the Ferris wheel or something like that. <laughs> they probably have a carnival there. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, what, what kind of festival is this? They have a Ferris wheel at the Asparagus? Maybe. Well, no, let's, what kind of contest do they have there? Like, do they have, 
a piss contest where everyone eats asparagus. And then like half an hour later, you get like as much asparagus as you want. Then you got to pee and you're rated based on the potency of the smell of your piss. Like, God, we have ideas for them. We should get into contact with them. We should. We should. You could do that at a bar. I think one of the breweries around here, we could probably do that. We're like, hey, we wanted to, you know, we could bring a crowd of people and do it there. I mean, I guess we could do it at HQ. Yeah, we could. You could brew an asparagus beer for the event. Awesome. That would be, that would be awful. Yeah. Awfully good. Where, what are we even talking about? Do you remember where we were at? Well, we're talking about what we, oh, yeah. why it's important for retirees <laughs> to prioritize certain things. Yeah, yeah. So food, really important. And then fitness is the other one. So really taking care of your body. And yeah, I spend a lot of time on that. I don't spend much money um, on the fitness area with my free gym down the street, but I do spend a lot of time on it, even if it's just like walking outside. So one thing I have been doing is um, wearing a backpack and filling it with uh, ankle weights. So for the last couple of days, I've been walking around with like 30 extra pounds on my back. And I think I heard um, Peter Atia on several podcasts and he's like, yeah, I do the rucksack. And I've heard other people mention it before, but I have a new backpack that I need to break in. And I was like, hey, I, I have a handful of ankle weights that I got on sale over here at Marshall's. And uh, yeah, 30 pounds on my back. It, it's actually a lot more tiring than I expected. How many, how many pounds did you say? 30? 30. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you're a mother rucker. Yeah, yeah. Have you done any of the rucksacking? I, I actually have a weight vest that goes up to 60 pounds. So sometimes I'll wear that around the neighborhood. I get lots of confused looks from people because you've got, it kind of looks like a bulletproof vest or something like that. So we have a lot of seniors in our neighborhood and they regard me with suspicion when I have it on. But yeah, it's a great workout and I love it because I'm doing what I would be doing anyway, which is walking, but now I'm burning way more calories and yeah. my, my legs feel after a while. Yeah. Yeah. How much do you wear when you do it? I usually do about the same 30. I've tried 60 a couple times and it's hard to even get the thing on when it's it's that much. I kind of have to have help to strap the thing on and that yeah. is pretty intense. Yeah. And you have a couple hills in your neighborhood and it's flat over here where I walk usually. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, it's a crazy workout, but I think we're going to try and do some 14ers this year. Are you, is it on your list to try and do one this year? Um, I thought about doing Quandary, my friend David, who was out here recently. We were talking about doing one, so maybe we'll do that, and maybe I'll finally bag longs, which has been a lifelong or a aspiration since we've lived here. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough one. You got a plan so far ahead, but yeah, we were talking about doing beer stab maybe. So I think that's another like pretty easy one. Yeah. Or I don't know if Quandary is. Is Quandary a tough one? Um, It's you go up 3,000 feet in three miles, so it's pretty steep, but it's easy otherwise. Okay. And it's fairly short too, three yep. miles or six miles total. Okay. Cool. So as far as quality of life or experiences, so you guys recently took a trip to New York. Um, so travel is one of the key experiences. Any Anything else that you do experience-wise? I think just uh, what it all comes down to is having more time. I like uh, simple shit, just taking walks around the neighborhood, making our kids take walks around the neighborhood with us, which they always resist and complain about. But then once we start doing it, they can't stop talking. So I know it's a good thing. They get something out of it. But yeah, I can't think of anything else. Yeah. One thing that in theory I should do, but I haven't been doing it, is... um. There's a lot of that today, I guess. The 
the fact that I could travel and visit my family a lot more. I mean, I don't have to get time off from work. I could work from wherever I want. I could just not work or whatever. And I just haven't been like going back to Atlanta to visit family. And then my sister and her family, they just moved to Richmond, Virginia, like in the last year. Gosh, I think they've been there a year and I haven't, you know, go gone over to visit. So stuff like that I should do. Um, and I just haven't made it a priority. So we have like a couple little trips planned here or there, and we're kind of homebodies. We enjoy like being around here in our normal routine. So like to disrupt it even more, all of a sudden it's like, ah, once a month we have like some trip or someone has to fly and it makes it a little more stressful. Sure. Yeah. But you guys visit uh, family decent amount, right? Yeah, we do. They're pretty close. Another thing I've been thinking about doing, which I've done in the past, is uh, maybe buying some kind of experience. And, I, you know, I was actually thinking about this on the drive over here. Like, they all want to do a cruise, but they're all broke. Uh, I, they're not all broke, but... They don't have cruise money. Yeah, they probably don't have cruise money, especially like my mom has always wanted to do an Alaskan cruise. And, uh, yeah... It's, it would be something out of their budget, but it's something I could do, but there's also a lot of them. And then there's like boyfriends and that kind of thing. Like, do I pay for all of them? And and then there's all the tips and all that. And it could get pretty, pretty pricey. I think it'd be, I don't know, approach 20,000 bucks after it's all said and done. How many people do you think that would be? Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, uh, 10. Okay. Yeah, that, I mean, that is a little pricey, but I was going to say one cool thing, I haven't been on a big cruise. I've been on a, a river cruise before in Europe, and I think the cool thing, especially with that a number of people, is there's other shit to do, and you can, like, get away, where, like, if you rented a house, like, you're kind of, you're all in there, you know? You know what I mean? That is true. And, yeah, there's activities. You could do stuff together. There's little excursions probably, and you can be together as much as you want, but you could also get your time alone, which is really important. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, otherwise people fight all the time. Probably. I don't know. Have you guys ever like rented a house and all stayed together? Uh, we have. It was for a shorter amount of time. It was in Moab a couple of Thanksgivings ago and that, that worked out fine and, and but part of the reason was talk to what you just said. Like, I like to hike and they don't. So, okay, bye. I'll see you in a couple hours. <laughs> see you at dinner time. But yeah. yeah, it was fine. Okay. Up next is how can retirees strike a balance between enjoying life now and preserving their financial resources for the future? And I think this is, this is the main issue, the struggle that most of us have. We don't know when we're going to die. So we don't know how much money we need to save. Otherwise, it's just a math problem. It'd be pretty easy. So. How how can we do this without going crazy? I think everyone can learn from my mistake. And the main thing I learned is I thought relieving myself of my job and being financially independent would make myself happier. And I felt pretty much the exact same way. Life was definitely better. I didn't have the stressful job, but at the core, I wasn't really happier. I felt kind of the same. And it was at that point I learned after doing lots of reading and thinking that your happiness comes from the inside and you have to work on it. You have to work at it. You can't expect some external circumstance to make you happy. So I could have been in a lot better shape 
when I had my job if I just would have reframed some things in my life. So where I'm going with this is don't wait for retirement to be happy. It might being without a job, traveling the world and all that might 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 make your life better and you'll be a little bit happier, but you should work on that shit now and don't expect that an external circumstance to magically improve your lot. Was there a specific thing or exercise, like thought exercise that you went through where you were like, oh, wow, I need to change my, myself. It's not, it's not everything else. It's not the situation that I'm in, like working or not working, which this is a, I'm trying to cheat, right? Like, so Carl, what's the secret to happy? Yeah, it was kind of just right after I left, like the next week, I'm like, you know, this is pretty cool. I get to do my own thing, but I don't really feel that much better inside. So what I started doing, and this came, uh, who's that guy, Naveem? I, yeah, I can't remember. Naval. Naval, that's it, Naval. I listened Robert to some. Cunts. Yeah, he, he's really good. We'll put a link to some of his stuff in the show notes. He's got some epic, epic posts. So what he said, what he wish he had in life is, a way to like replay his emotions. I think I might be butchering this. It's been a while, but to replay his days and emotions and how he felt at exactly certain times. And what I got from that was to pay attention to my moods and figure out exactly when I'm happiest, what I'm doing and the circumstances around that and take note of that. Be super observant about yourself and your emotions. And when you feel the happiness kick in, like, Think about why you're happy and what you did. How did you sleep the night before? And just really trying to pay attention and then create those circumstances to increase happiness. Mm -hmm. What are a couple of yours and let's keep it clean. Uh, well, I, if you got to put it that way, I don't think there are <laughs> any, Doug. Uh, yeah, three of them come to mind pretty quickly. One is get enough sleep. Um, Sleep both affects short-term and long-term happiness. If you don't get enough sleep for a couple of days, you just feel shitty and, and not quite as good. So that's one everyone can work on right now. Another one is exercise. Exercise just makes me happy and it doesn't, you don't have to be doing deadlifts and going for a new personal record. Just going out for a, a brisk walk makes me really happy. And the third one is uh, experiences around friends. I think I've talked about this before, but when we travel, Often we try to do it around other people. Uh, my favorite example, this was going to Edinburgh, which is a great place, but it's probably not a place I would have gone to. But we went there to visit Brandon and Jill, who is uh, better known as the Mad Scientist online. And that was great. It was, it was very cool to experience this new place and the food and all that, but it was even more cool to experience it with friends. So whenever we go somewhere, I actually have a spreadsheet of everyone I've met, um, pretty much in life and where they live. So if I'm in a place like, hey, Tampa, okay, I know so-and-so lives here. I'll, I'll ping him and say, hey, how about I take you out to dinner or let's hang out at the beach or something like that. Cool. So yeah, sleep, exercise, and um, uh, social, having good relationships with other people. And uh, yeah, the, the get-togethers we have at the HQ, those are super fun. Are you going to the one this Saturday, Doug? Yeah, I'll be there. Should be a big one, I think, right? Yeah. Uh, I think so, at least 50 people, and, and that's going to be with um, Joe from Camp Mustache, and that's something we've both done, the, the Camp Fies. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, and I think, um, uh, sadly, for the people listening, by the time this episode comes out, 
the party will be like uh, done like a month ago or so. So people can check out the meetup group, the Northern Colorado Mustachians on Meetup. If you want to follow along there, that's where those are announced. If you happen to be passing through town or if you're local as well. So for, for me, what, what was the question? Yes. I'm, I'm off to that. It was, what's your favorite style of asparagus? Are you a white asparagus or a green asparagus person? No, it, it wasn't. It was, what types of experiences, investments, and health or lifestyle improvements are worth prioritizing in retirement? Okay. I think, actually, I think you asked a further question. I don't remember. <laughs> you said, how do I, your question to me was, what experiences, what have I found that makes me happy in retirement? I think. Yeah. Sounds good. Anyway. I like, um, so I, I like the ones that you mentioned, and I spent a lot of time improving my sleep in the last year. I think we've talked about it before, but that helped a lot. I mean, I'm fairly happy anyway, but like sleeping better makes things much easier and sleeping longer too. So exercise, we already mentioned the social stuff is big and I didn't, I didn't realize it as much until probably doing some of the camp fives and like getting, getting integrated into the community here in town. So if you know, you or I and go to a brewery or a restaurant, it's not weird to see someone, you know, in fact, I've seen you at Lowe's like whatever, three, four times in the last, uh, like oh, we see each other like every couple of weeks there. Yeah. It seems like. And even the dentist recently. Oh yeah. We were at the dentist. Yeah. At the same time. And, uh, I, I saw you sitting in the chair. We parked next to each other. I saw your, your car and I, I was like, oh, but he's in there. You were, um, they were doing some serious stuff. You had like, you wear the, um, the safety goggles. Yeah. Okay. So you wear safety goggles. And, um, yeah, they were doing stuff. So I didn't, I didn't come in and say, Hey, Hey buddy, what's going on? Try to put my hand in your mouth, you know? So yeah, the social stuff is pretty cool. And just the chance, you know, running into friends at various places, that's kind of fun, which when I lived in Bozeman, it was the same way. Like it's a small enough town where if I go to a restaurant, there's a good chance I might know someone there that's, that's working or that, um, you know, just sitting there eating. So it's pretty fun. It's pretty fun to have those chance meetings and chat, catch up. The other cool thing, and we're very lucky being in Longmont, there's a lot of people who have a flexible work schedule or they don't work at all. So we can do stuff or bump into people in the middle of the week, just randomly. So, um, mutual friend, Eric, occasionally I'll see him like riding his bike around the neighborhood here. And it's always, he's zipping by quickly. So it's usually like right after we see each other, we realize that we passed each other and then we'll catch up later. But yeah, that kind of stuff's pretty fun. And then, like you said, the, the parties, we do some special beer tastings with just, you know, kind of a core group of people that are really into beer. So we'll, we'll do those occasionally once a quarter. We don't want to do it too often. It's a bad. Yeah. So. And, and to be clear, we're talking about all the social shit, but I think both of us call ourselves introverts. You've said you're perfectly fine and happy to be by, by yourself, and so am I for the most part. But it is good. You can't be like uh, living in a cabin out in the woods for eight months. I think you'd probably go a little nutty. Yeah. And I think one thing I didn't realize, so I, I walk the dog and I usually go into stores. And this was the same way up in Bozeman as well. And 
I didn't realize it, but there's a little social interaction there. It's very casual, but people at the stores know Georgie and they recognize me because I'm in there almost every day. And I go into all all the stores up, up here. So um, Michael's and Marshall's, Bed Bath & Beyond. I go into all the stores. So they, they all kind of know us. And it's just meaningless chit chat, but it's like, oh, how's it going? Blah, blah, blah. And just that is probably enough to keep me going. Um, occasionally, there's a you know more of a conversation. Sure. But yeah. All right. Let's see what we have next here. So allocating a budget portion for splurges and conveniences. So there's a lot of thoughts around this. We have several questions, but I think we could generalize because that's been an underlying topic. So we don't really budget specifically, but Carl, you must have some idea where you're like, for the total year, we probably shouldn't spend more than X amount for vacations or something that is extra, you know. Do you have any guidelines around that or how, how do you think about it in your head? Yeah, this is interesting. We've kind of, at least for this year, we're doing an experiment. So with our Hawaii trip, I said, let's do what we want to do, no matter what the cost is. Let's look at experiences that would make us happy and the filter for this was our kids because they don't know. It was funny. This morning, our kid just said, Mom and Dad, you're always talking about money, which is uh, something Mindy and I are going to talk about more because we are probably a little bit too much. But to, <laughs> but to go back to what I was just talking about a second ago, the filter for the girls is, hey, we could do this, this, and this in Hawaii. They've got this um, nighttime manta ray snorkeling, which is supposed to be cool. Helicopter ride, which you had recommended. So we said, we can do all these things out of these, which ones do you really want to do? And and they picked them. And so for these trips, at least we're doing them without regard to spending our, I'm trying to think our Germany trip was probably about 10,000. New York trip was, I don't know what that was. That one was a little bit less hotel on points, but this Hawaii one will probably end up costing us, I don't know, between five and 10,000. So we are trying to do this experiment, like let's just do what we think will make us happy. Like spend money on the things that will truly make us happy, but we're not going to eat all the, all the time. The kids eat like chicken nuggets and macaroni and cheese. There's no point paying 15 bucks for that when you can buy a box of that shit for like a dollar at the store. Yeah, not in Hawaii, but still cheaper. They have a Costco there. Right? I, yeah, I've already plotted that out. We're going to stop there as soon as we get off the plane in Kauai and uh, get some supplies. And we've actually been there before. They've got the outside hot dog stand, which is pretty cool. <laughs> do they have, um, do they have like, pokey in there or poke in there I, and other like native food i don't know that's a great question i will try that i i told you doug so doug had actually recommended i'd asked doug for recommendations uh, it, it, you know actually we talked about it on a podcast a while ago what your best meal was and you said this so it's pronounced poke i think so probably yeah i don't know it's P wrong apologies p-o-k-e <laughs> but doug recommended this place and then i, I meant to tell you this like a week ago, we knew someone else who lived on the big island and she's like, go to this place. You will not regret it. It'll be the best thing of your life. And I think that's exactly what she said. And I'm like, wow, that's the same place Doug said I had to cross check it. But no shit. Yeah. Really? Yeah. The pokey shack. Yep, yeah. That was it. And it's, um, it's like in the parking lot of a hotel and it just looks like a hole in the wall and it's awesome. It's so good. Yeah. Shout out to Alexa if you're listening. Thank you. So, so yeah, definitely check that out. I, I like, I like that approach. And then you'll know 
like you you'll probably do whatever you guys want and then you'll realize oh it wasn't that much more expensive and you have these awesome memories and you did cool shit um and side note is we're starting to wrap up here we had a conversation about what elizabeth did for her trip to germany so she declined to be on the podcast by the way i i asked her about it and she was like no so she got a journal and before she even went on the trip she like started doing some of the planning like things maybe that she would you know want to do and like mapping stuff out whatever just keeping a log of stuff handwritten then she got a small printer that is it's a little bit thicker than a cell phone but it's about the size of a cell phone you could imagine and it's kind of like a little polaroid style printer and the the pictures come out on a uh they're stickers basically and they're the size of um i think it's like two by three and there's some other stuff but the point is it connects to your phone via bluetooth and you can print out stuff like right away and she was printing stuff out along the way and then journaling each day and then putting pictures in there which then you have like a little like an old school photo book but you're able to print it out like real time and she's looked at those for a couple years but never got one and i was like just get it it's they're like a hundred dollars and it's not too expensive to get the paper and stuff but i think it's a great way to journal document stuff actually do because we take like thousands of pictures and then do nothing with them and at least you could print them out and i'm pretty sure you'll remember all the stuff much better especially if you actually journal it out because we forget things you forget what you did earlier in your trip especially you know you guys are going to hawaii for like three weeks right yeah you'll forget the first day if you don't write it down yeah uh, no i think that's a wonderful idea i i bought the exact same thing you told me about you told you me did. about this you got and- it Yep. Cool. Have you guys used it yet? We have not. We were kind of, so we were debating whether or not we surprise our children with this or we tell them ahead of time so they yeah. can prepare for the whole journaling part of it. Um, so we're still going back and forth on that. We have not told them about it yet, but I think they'll get a huge kick out of it, especially, I'm not sure how into the writing part they'll do, but uh, the pictures will be great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, one other thing, like Elizabeth, um, had her her mom came out to visit for a couple days they went to moab um just uh, this past weekend so elizabeth got her mom like a card like a blank card that had moab or arches or something like that on on the front and then she printed out pictures from the trip put it in there and gave it to her mom so it's like a custom card that has like you know pictures of them doing cool stuff around town or in the parks so that's another fun thing oh that's great yeah, so like you could use it to make actual cards that people are not going to throw in the fucking trash, like most most of the other cards. <laughs> so, yeah, there, there's a really cool thing. We'll link up to that. We'll put an affiliate link. We could maybe earn some money on this. Yeah. I don't know. All right. So, any other ideas around splurges or conveniences? So, I mean, I I don't know. I think for us, I'm not sure how how we'll end up tracking this as as much. We'll probably have some sort of, you know, specific amount which we won't exceed for the year. We're much more budget focused. 
I think. I think in the future, it would be nice to just say, hey, let's splurge on this one and see how it works out. In practice, I mean, I think when we're on vacation, we're usually like, we're here on vacation. We're just going to like, we'll go to the restaurant. Like we can spend a little bit more. We don't have, we don't have kids. We don't have to think about as many things as you do. So if we spend a lot buying drinks or whatever, it'll be okay. But I think having a specific amount where you're okay with just spending it, I think that's probably the best way to do it without stressing out about it. Sure. There's one other thing I want to add to this, and this came up. I'll back up a second. If you listen through the sound check, Mindy and I were on a podcast. We just recorded an episode with a very big person who even has his own TV show, although I don't think we're going to be on TV. No one would want to see that. But uh, we kept on talking about the word optimize, and he pointed out that optimize is a, a bit of a toxic word. If you're trying to do that, you're always looking for success. You're always trying to get the best experience out of every purchase or the best value. And that's not good because it's not bad to fail. You learn and then you figure out what you don't like and you don't have to do it again. So I would say with regards to spending, don't be afraid to spend on something you might not be sure of as an experiment. And then after you're done with it, see how much you enjoyed it. And maybe you never need to do that thing again or go spend a week on the beach wherever or do whatever. It's not a bad thing to dare I say, waste money. Right. I, yeah, I love that. In one book that I haven't read, I think I'm familiar with some of the main ideas, but The Paradox of Choice by Barry Schwartz. Have you read that? No, I listened to a podcast that you recommended and they weren't talking about that book though. So I need to read it, but I think one thing I internalized was the, related to optimization, it's the maximizing versus satisficing. And I'm very much, once I was aware of the concept, I was like, oh, maximizing is, or optimizing basically guarantees that you're not going to be as happy because I don't particularly enjoy like spending a whole lot of time like trying to maximize because usually it's almost impossible to hit that mark. And if you're really into maximizing, then even after you make your decision, you'll continue to revisit that decision until you could poke holes in it and realize you didn't make the best decision, which again, you're almost guaranteed not to do or satisficing where when you hit good enough, you're like, oh, that's good enough. I'm going to move on with my life and not think about it. And it's been really powerful, I think. So that's the optimizing thing. I mean, like you can almost never get it perfect. And if you have more data, then you just know that you made the wrong decision. So Yeah. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. So anything else with the optimizing? The, any tips from, from me? Yeah. I well, The one other thought I've had is like with regards to, there's all these ways you can search for reviews online, like for restaurants, hotels, and blah, blah, blah. And just because a restaurant or a hotel has gotten a perfect review, what's important to whoever gave that thing the five-star review might not be important to you like, I love a green curry. If I go to a Thai restaurant, I'll have a green curry, but maybe the person who who left the five-star review ate a, a green curry or a yellow curry. So, which my whole point of saying this is to what you just said, Doug, I think a lot of times it's a waste of time. You're trying to optimize, but you could be optimizing for someone else's experience, which isn't great. Right. 
The other part with that, which we need to get better at, but again, we're connected with our phones so much and we're like, oh, where should we eat? You know, what's fun is not, not having any information, just walking up and you're like, this place looks interesting. You go in, you don't have any preconceived notions that it's supposed to be good or bad. You just like get what you get and then you could evaluate it based on that, not because you thought it was supposed to be good or bad or whatever. So do you ever go anywhere without looking at reviews? Uh, we have done that. We did that once in New York and it was pretty interesting. I actually looked at the review after we left. But <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird. It almost feels unnatural to do it now, right? Because we're so used to, okay, I'll go on Yelp and I'm looking for a Mexican restaurant and within this uh, radius of me and blah, blah, blah. And to not do it is a little bit disconcerting. Right. And I think, yeah, there's something fun about not having a specific plan and just you know, rolling up and maybe you ask some people, you go to the store, the grocery store, you're like, hey, where should we eat? Instead of like going off of reviews. Of course, then maybe you're optimizing for the green curry thing again, but still, yeah. at least you you chatted with someone and you got like a local's opinion. Yeah, so. absolutely. All right. Well, I think that's it for this one here. Any Any other thoughts overall, Carl, on spending and just kind of Letting go a little bit to spend that money. I have lots of thoughts, but I think we should save them for another episode. I think we should do one specifically maybe on travel and experiences like restaurants. I think that'd be a, a great thing to do because I've got a shit ton of thoughts on that. Okay, great. Awesome. Well, Carl, it's been fun. We should wrap it up now. Any, oh, the, the one thing, we're, we're really bad at this. So we have a buy me a coffee page. We buried it at the very end, but it's how does support the show, we actually have several uh, like monthly members now. So you could donate a one-time thing, which is cool. Even better is if you donate on a monthly basis, starting at $5, just $5 a month. It's so cheap. It's nothing. You won't miss it. Yeah. You won't even know it's gone. And it helps. Uh, what, what does it help do? We buy beer mostly, right? Well, I, I think there is that, Doug, but no. we would like to improve the show. If we had more money, yeah. we might do have a better produced show, get rid of all my ums and ahs, maybe have different camera angles. So we would like to improve and maybe even have other shows that we do, but. Yeah. Yeah. So in the money, I, I kid, we, we are losing money still currently. Uh, each, each show we lose money and we're in the hole for like all of, uh, the last two years as well. And we had, um, the Rebel Entrepreneur Show that we were producing too. So we lost even more money on that. We're the worst business people in the world. But anyway, we're trying to do this without ads. So that's the whole idea. If you want to support the show, check it out. There's extra content on there. So Carl and I take uh, pictures like we should have taken a picture earlier today. And we just post some extra stuff over there. So thank you for all the people that support the show. If you want to check it out, please do. If you don't and you just... Want to want to listen? That's cool too. We're not going to charge for you know extra stuff or anything like that. So buy me a coffee. There's a link in the uh, show notes there, and that's it. Do we have our t-shirt shop up yet, Doug? Or yeah. So no. By the time this comes out, though, it will be up. It's over on Redbubble, and I ran into an issue, Carl. So we have our initial design for the shirt that you're wearing there, and the one that I have. We have to have at least four designs up there before the it goes live. So I need to create a couple other images for, and they could just be like stickers or whatever. 
So we can talk about that. I was thinking about doing some mid-journey AI art, which, um, you know, that would be fairly easy and straightforward. And we could do like stickers or little posters, a couple portraits of us, maybe with our heads on like a Mount Rushmore type mountain, something. Sounds great. Yeah. So we could work that out, but we have to have four other designs. Okay. So. I'll put that on my homework. I, Doug, I have so much homework, things, I, action items I haven't done, and I'll add that to it. I, <laughs> yeah, we could both, with mid-journey, it's really fast. I was trying to do like a Simpsons-style uh, character of each of us. So you could feed it like our portraits and then say, draw this in like the style of the Simpsons or South Park or whatever. It's kind of cool. I'll show you in a second here. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the show. That was the Mile High Five podcast, and I'm Doug Cunnington, the Balder host, and Carl Jensen is the cool, sexy one. If you dig the show, please do three things for us. Number one, tell a friend, a family member, an enemy about the show. We really don't care who you tell. Maybe forward them a specific show that you know that they will like. It's the single most helpful thing that you can do to spread the word. It's like giving us a virtual high five and uh, actually we don't give high fives in, in person. So the virtual kind's pretty good. And more importantly, your friend or family member or even your enemy will appreciate the fact that you were thinking of them. Number two, make sure you're following or subscribed on your podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, YouTube, whatever you're using. And that way you won't miss a show. And number three, please leave us a rating and review. We read them on the show occasionally, and you might hear yours out there on an upcoming episode. Quick disclaimer, this show is not financial or legal advice. I'd actually be surprised if it sounded like it. It's really just for entertainment, and that's at least what we're hoping for. But seriously, get advice from professionals. Carl and I are just two guys with microphones that sit in my basement and talk. So we'll catch y'all next week. So you were just on podcast recently. You did a long interview yesterday. So tell me about it. We haven't talked about it at all. Yeah. So Mindy has had Ramit Sadie, I think I said that correct or almost correct, on her podcast before, Bigger Pockets Money. We'll put a link in the show notes. And she pinged him saying we would like to be on his podcast because we might not have the healthiest relationship with money, man. He said yes. So we talked to him last night. It went, I think, about three and a half hours. It was very long. We started at six, and I don't think we turned the lights off until 10.30. The recording ended at 9.30. We had to decompress. It was pretty intense. Wow. I, I'm surprised he recorded that late in the day. Did you guys pick the time or he picked the time? No, he picked it at five o'clock Pacific, six Mountain. I didn't think he'd go that long. I don't know if that's standard for him to go that long, but that's how long he went with us. Interesting. Yeah. I'd be curious to hear. I mean, obviously they'll probably edit it down a huge amount, right? Because the episodes are like an hour length. Is that right? Or are they longer? You know, I'm not sure. I've listened to a couple of them. I thought they were maybe a little bit longer, but don't quote me on that. Okay, cool. So did you get a lot of good insights out of the, Was it was like a therapy session, right? Yeah, he has a psychology background, and the whole time I thought I was in a, I've never been to therapy, but I've read about it, and I know how it works. It's the therapist 
the, the therapist is, isn't going to give you answers. He's looking to ask the right questions so you kind of figure out things for yourself. So lots of long pauses, deep questions. It was pretty intense. I felt like I had been run over by a truck by the end of it. And then did you have, did he send you any information ahead of time to know what to expect to think about it so you could, you know, come ready to talk about certain topics? We had a short session with one of his producers ahead of time. Uh, that was probably about a 20-minute interview where we talked about what our issues were. After that, he sent a generic form, which just had all our financial stuff that he wanted to fill out to get a better grasp of what our money situation is. But to answer your question, no, he did not. We had no idea what he was specifically going to ask us. Cool. And then was he like super prepared as the interviewer with like a list of things or did he kind of have some general idea of the direction and then he just kept asking more questions or i mean obviously you don't know what he was looking at but what, what's your impression yeah he is ultra prepared i don't know i don't think he was watching the initial interview we had with the producer but he had very detailed notes like he you would see him look off to the side and he knew exactly what we had said and then he would riff on that and probe us deeply about uh some of these things gotcha Cool. So when you finished, and we'll have to wrap this up, we could do a whole episode on this, but, and we'll talk off the air, I'm sure. So do you have like assignments afterward? Are you going to check in at some point? Like, how does it work afterwards? Or does he just interview you and tell you good luck? He wants us to follow up with him tomorrow. We're going to take a video. He told us to think about three different topics and we're going to do that. And I'm not sure what, if anything, will happen after that. But Doug, I have to say, it's already caused us to rethink many things. <laughs> many, many things. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, Elizabeth and I should be on the show. But I think... I thought of that, Doug. That's exactly... Yeah. Uh, I won't go into details, but yeah. I was I was tiling this morning. My hands have a bunch of crap on them, which doesn't scrub off. I do bathe. And I'm like, man, I think Doug and Elizabeth, I think this would do them a whole lot of good. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, we have different approaches about money and life. So Yeah. <laughs> even, even if it doesn't cause you to change anything, it'll, it might, you might have more knowledge and be a little bit more thoughtful about some things. I, I don't want to go into details. Like you said, we could have a whole episode about Ramith. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll table it. Do you have any idea when the episode comes out though? I have no clue. Okay, cool. I don't know when this episode comes out either, but if you're listening to it, you'll know. 